0: You're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> All right. You're ready for an exciting, amazing, fantastic, best ever series? All right. Anybody like movies? Anybody like movies? Anybody? All right. On the count of three, I want you to turn to the person closest to you and uh, tell them what your favorite movie is and why. One, two. Three, go, do it, do it. Somebody. Anyone in the balcony? All right, on the count of three, I want you to shout out what your favorite movie is. One, two, three. I couldn't hear one of you guys, but that's okay. I meant to do that. Um, If if you're new to this church, it is not not unusual for uh, me to just reference random movie quotes in the middle of sermons. So, So I could be in the middle of a sermon and then just all of a sudden go to a quote like, I don't know, if I had been drinking from the toilet, I might have been killed. Anybody know what movie? What movie? Ace Ventura pet detective, Ace Ventura, probably the only movie that I actually have memorized, beginning to end. Or uh, well, let me give you this maybe, maybe you guys know this movie. Um, let's see. Freedom! Anybody? Anybody? Braveheart, Braveheart. Oh, That's right. I mean, I mean, we all love movies. Um, and, and where are my parents? Anyone have, have small children? Anyone have small unruly children? Anyone have unruly adults that act like children? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I, I always love going to the movies, you know, and and um, you know what what I thought was going to be an exciting way to spend the time with my kids is, of course, going to the movies. You know, we, I, I took my kids to to see this movie recently called. Star Wars. Anyone ever heard of it? Star Wars? And, and I really, w- I, to be honest, I really wanted to go, but it was rated PG, so I'm like, oh, I think I can bring my kids with me, and Diamond's going to, like, some girl thing, and I have to be, you know, babysitting the kids, <sighs> by myself with the kids they take over and they always you know take advantage of my kindness and so I decided you know let me take them to the movie so we went to go see uh, the new Star Wars The Last Jedi movie and and uh, you know I thought that would be a great place and you know sit down and and just not move they're staying the seats the reclining seats can I hear an amen for reclining seats can I get a witness I mean they're awesome and so I, you know, I, we're, we're there with the reclining seats, and I'm like, this is going to be great. You know, got the jumbo popcorn, got the soda, got, got the, the milk duds. I love milk duds. I also love Junior Mints. Any, anyone like Junior Mints? Any other Junior Mint fans? My favorite. The uh, reason I like Junior Mints is because of the Seinfeld episode about Junior Mints. Anyone know what I'm talking about, Seinfeld? When he drops the Junior Mint inside the guy's stomach as they're doing surgery on him, and he makes this miraculous recovery, and they think it's the Junior Mint. Um... Sorry. Just Google it. I'm I'm not lying to you. It actually happened. And and so where was I? Star Wars. And so we're in the movie of Star Wars. And and the, the first thing that we do, we get in our seats. Judah thinks it would be a great idea to just dump the popcorn on Lily's head. So takes the jumbo popcorn, dumps it all over Lily. Uh, just, just I mean, everywhere, I'm like Thomas's women, I'm like, oh, Lord, we have to clean this up. Oh my gosh, we are those people. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we're the people that leave a mess after the movie. Get out of there before anyone recognizes you. I had milk duds on the bottom of my pants, and it was just, just, just like a nightmare of a movie. Uh, but fortunately, about an hour in, they fell asleep. Can I get an? Amen? Amen.) <laughs> And, and then I, I'm like, oh my God, they're sleeping. I wasted $15. That's okay. Money well spent babysitting. But I, like, what makes a good movie? Something exciting, a great story. I love movies that are based off of true stories. Uh, one of my favorite movies uh, is this one that was, um, the, the leading actor was Kurt Russell called Miracle. And it was about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team that did the impossible, and they beat the, 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 you, the, the Russians. I'm, I'm sorry, we have, we have someone from Russia here, I'm sorry. But, but it, it's history, it's true. We, we beat the Russians, and it was awesome. It was a miracle, it was incredible. Remember, remember what Al Michaels said in the telecast? Do you believe in? Oh, That was weak, you guys are hurting. This is my second sermon preaching. I need more out of you. Come on, help me out here. Do you believe in? That's right, and, and it's just a movie that we all love to watch, and I saw a miracle on Friday night. I saw an actual live miracle on Friday night, and I, I, no one, I mean, this was impossible. This has never happened before. I mean, I mean blind eyes have hap- you know, been opened before. You know, Jesus opened them, you know, but I, I witnessed something that was never done before, And it happened in March Madness. It happened in the NCAA tournament. And and, uh, just lo lo and behold to me, I I realized my my school, UMBC, was in the NCAA tournament. And, and I, I didn't even know that they had a good basketball team this year. That shows you how much I follow them. They call me, the alumni, all the time asking for donations. I don't even answer the phone anymore. Uh, you know, so, so I'm like, oh, how are they doing? And now they're, they're in the, the NCAA tournament going up against the number one team in the nation, University of Virginia. They won the ACC uh, tournament. They're the number one team. And uh, everyone said, no, no way. It's never been done before. A 16 seed has never beaten a number one seed in the history of the NCAA tournament. They were a 21-point underdog going into the game, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll watch, you know, and just just represent, watch a half, and then they'll get blown out. And and I asked Diamond if she wanted to watch the game with me. She said, nope, I'm going to bed. You're gonna watch this by yourself, Isaac. I didn't go to UMBC, you did. So I'm sitting there by myself. Game didn't come on until like 9.20. And, and, you know, all the lights are off and, and, and just, you know, kind of got like my seltzer just relaxing and, uh, you know, texting some friends. And uh, you know, all of a sudden at halftime, it's tied 21 to 21. But that's not really a big deal because these games, you know, like the number one seed always just kind of goes through it lackadaisically. and, And then in the second half, they just push through and they just kill them. So that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting UMBC to get destroyed. And then all of a sudden, coming out of the half, UMBC comes out, hits a three right out of the gate. Hits another three right out of the gate. All of a sudden, 10 minutes go by. UMBC's up by 12 points with 10 minutes to go. Now I'm starting to freak out a little bit, Roseanne. I'm starting to get excited. I'm starting to like like feel the upset fever within me, the March Madness, the Cinderella story. The diaper dandies are doing it from UMBC. And then I, I'm like, you know, I got to get my UMBC gear on. So I go in my closet, I'm like, I'm like looking for like my UMBC boxer shorts and my, my baseball uniform, my stirrups and my cleats and everything. So I'm in my room, like now I got my whole uniform on, I go back out and they're up by 15 points with five minutes left to go. And then I realize nobody wants to celebrate alone, right? And, and I was all by myself, a loser by myself. So I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna wake up my wife. So I come busting in the door, turn all the lights on. I'm like, there is a party at 1511 something something road in Wall Township, and me and you, honey, we are gonna enjoy this. And she said, shut up and leave me alone. Shut the door and get out. And like a good husband, I didn't take no for an answer. I said, no, 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 I'm going to pick you up. And I scooped her up, and I put her on that couch. And I said, I don't care if I have to pay for this tomorrow. You are sitting on this couch and watching history with me. And then as the clock ticked down, UMBC, the Retrievers, what a dumb mascot. I went from the Purple Roses of St. Rose to the Retrievers. But nevertheless, the Retrievers did the impossible all over the newspapers on ESPN because they did what has never been done before. How did I do? Did did, Did you feel that? Did you? Because that's what makes a great movie. And I know someday they're going to take that story of the retrievers that nobody gave a chance, and they're going to call it the, the miracle in the dog pound or something. Who knows? Because, because that, everybody wants to see a thrilling movie of an underdog, of you know some, something that looked like it was hopeless and over, and then, and then all of a sudden at the end, something incredible happened. When we look at the the, the Word of God, and I I got my Bible in my hands right now, uh, this is the greatest story ever told. This is, is the most incredible overcoming, inspirational story ever written, ever told, 66 different books written by 36 di- different authors that ties together seamlessly about a loving God. And, and as he creates his prize, his bride, humanity, me and you, and, and he loses us because we're selfish and we're stupid and we always think we know best and, and, and we rejected God. And, and it, that was kind of like the the, the the moment of truth where, where God has a choice to make. You know what? Should I reject them or should I win my love back? And he sent his son Jesus to win back his bride and reconcile us back to him. It's an incredible romance with adventure and drama and funny things that happen. It's the greatest movie ever told. And did you know that your life is a movie too? Your life is like a mini movie. And I want to ask you this question and, and think about this. If someone was to review your movie, what would the reviews look like? Would anybody be interested in watching your movie, in reading a a book about your life? Uh, Because I think for most of us, the answer is no. I think for most of us, we just kind of go through life just existing, and and yet God wants to, to produce And he wants to direct a blockbuster movie of your life. There are three things that make a great movie. Uh, I thought about this, and and I I could come down to these three things that make a great movie. The first thing is a great movie has to have an awesome character, leading character. Uh, I thought about how, secondly, that that character uh, wants to... Do something. He wants to go after something. He wants something, and then he or she overcomes hardship to get it. That's what a, a great movie consists of. I just want to read a, a couple of scriptures to you in the book of Colossians because l- l- does, does this flow through scripture? Uh, you know, a, a character who wants something and overcomes hardship to get it. It says in Colossians, and he is the head of the body, the church he being Christ, is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. That's what God wants. He wants to have supremacy in all things. John, you may say that's very arrogant of God to say that. Well, when you write, direct, produce, provide the budget, provide the scenery, provide the props, provide the characters, then that movie can be about whatever you want it to be about. So I I get a better understanding of that. Uh, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The guitar's in the way, sorry. And through him to reconcile himself to all things. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to reconcile all things back to him. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. And where's the the, the conflict in that? What what does God have to overcome in order to reconcile all things back to him? You, your stubbornness, your stupidity, your selfishness. You ever give God conflict? Am I the only one? Don't leave me up here by myself. I've given God conflict, and, and yet he overcame my selfishness by sending his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. One of my other favorite scriptures is in the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus, the author and perfecter, and I could also say the director of our life had the joy set before him. What's that joy that God had set before him? That was me. That was you. I believe with all my heart, the only reason Christ was able to go down the Via Della Rosa, carrying the cross on his back, was because he had a picture of me in his mind that I have to do this for Isaac, I have to do this for Roseanne, I have to do this for Joe because they're not gonna be able to do this on their own so I gotta do this for them. That was the joy that was set before Christ. That was the the purpose that he had in that. He overcame a bloody cross, a painful death so he could reconcile you back to him. It's an amazing story. We have an amazing God that we need to be able to say, God, my life lives for you now. And there's four reasons why I think our stories struggle. And I'm going to go through them relatively quickly. Um, somebody say amen. That wasn't good enough. I'm going to go very long with this one. That wasn't good enough. Uh, the, the first reason I, I think our stories struggle, number one, is because we have the wrong leading character in our story. The wrong leading character in our story. And right now, you need to yell Ready? On the count of three, I want you to yell, cut. One, two, three. Cut. Cut! Because you are a horrible leading character for this movie about your life. I'm sorry, but you suck. You're terrible. And you need to cut and say, I need to put the right leading character in my movie. Because I mean, I, I don't know if you ever did this, but uh, growing up, I always thought I was like the center of the universe, right? Any only children thought, felt that way. I, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm it. I'm the, I'm the center of the universe. My parents revolve around me. Um, sorry. <laughs> At least I'm honest, right? Uh, and, and, and I remember I used to pretend like cameras were following me everywhere. Like, especially when I was playing basketball games. Especially when I was, like, out back by myself, only child-like stories. This is what we had to do to entertain ourselves. We would pretend like cameras would follow us everywhere we would go. And, and I would be, like, playing in, in, in game five of the NBA championship with Michael Jordan as my wingman and Bill Cartwright in the middle and Will Perdue coming off the bench. I had, like, the whole cast of characters. Scottie Pippen, you know, was my wingman. And, and so I had the ball, and we were down by one. And and, and this girl that I had a crush on, she was Watching. She was right there in the bushes, like cheering my name, saying, "I love you, Isaac. You're sexy, and you know everything." You know, and, and so like, like the cameras were everywhere. And then I get the ball, and I cross up, you know, uh, um, who was it, Charles Barkley? And I go to the rim, and I dunk it on Charles Barkley. Game over. Buzzer goes off. I'm the NBA champion of the world. I'm the MVP, and the cameras followed me everywhere. Am I the only one? Am I? <laughs> yeah. I but then I grew up, and I realized. <laughs> I don't want the cameras <laughs> to follow me everywhere you know not not like I'm, I'm, I'm doing bad things but it, it's like my, my life really isn't interesting <laughs> it would be a pretty boring movie about my life like this is probably the most interesting thing that I do all week you guys wonder what does a pastor do all week ask my wife She'll tell you exactly what I do. Uh, don't ask me because it's all a blur most of the time. Uh, but but it's, it, it's, it's boring. And I think your life is probably the, the, the same way. And the reason that is is because our stories need to point to God's glory. And when they do, you will learn to live a life of purpose. When your story points to your glory, then you will always feel empty. You will always feel less than. You will always feel insecure. You will always feel like you have to prove yourself to other people because your life is about your story. But if you want to be able to have freedom in Christ and be able to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost that Paul talks about, then you have to say, my life has to point to God's glory. And when it does, that's when you can feel the fulfillment. You need to cut yourself out as the lead character. A few months ago, um, in, in the summer of 2017, uh, TBN is a, a Christian television station, and they wanted to, to shoot a video of, of Diamond and I's story to, to put on TBN as like a, a roll-in that they were going to use, and they sent this camera crew out to, uh, I think it was like Spring Lake Beach, we were there, and it was like a super windy day, and uh, they, they couldn't bring any um, like lighting equipment out there because there was nowhere to plug it in. Uh, so they had this one guy who held this, this thing. It was called the, I mean, oh, that was sweet, Thomas. You did that all by yourself. That was awesome. Anyone ever seen one of these before? Yeah, like kind of bulky, you know, especially on a windy day. Like this poor dude, the winds was blowing. He's like, like flying, like, like a parachute, like caught him one time. It flew in the jetty. It, it was just like a nightmare. I felt so bad for this guy. And I'm like, why do we even need that thing? And uh, the director, uh, Chris Elias, she said, well, the, the cameras won't be able to see you unless this guy holds up this reflector to reflect the sun onto your face so that the camera can pick up your face. And, and this poor guy, it was so windy. It was like a struggle. And he had to, like, get down in, like, this position <laughs> for, like, two hours, you know, just, like, right here. And then the waves are hitting. I'm like, I'm like this poor guy. But but the director's like yeah, but the video won't come out good, the story won't come out good, unless this guy's holding this reflector so that the sun can hit your face, Isaac. And you know I said, man, that guy gives sermon at anything, John. And I thought, you know what, that is a perfect analogy for this sermon, because most of the time we want to be the director. We want to be the one directing the movie of our life. We want to be the one telling people what to do, dictating the future of our life. It's about us. It's about me. But God says, you're not the director. This is what you are called to do. Just hold the reflector. Just hold, this is your job, and I know it's windy, and I know that there are moments where it feels awkward and uncomfortable, and you feel like giving up, and maybe the reflector goes flying in the jetty somewhere, and you feel like you lost your faith, or you lost your your hope, you need to go back and get it, because your calling is to just hold the reflector so that this world can see Christ. I'm preaching, I'm preaching up here, folks, I need you to help me out, 930 was on fire. You need to hold the reflector because it's not about you. You are a terrible lead character. And the lead character makes the movie, doesn't it? I mean, if you have the wrong leading character, the movie's going to be terrible. Terrible. You know, they cast the wrong person. For example, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governator. I can't believe he was governor. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Uh, but he, he was amazing in Terminator, wasn't he? I mean, what was his famous line, Stan? You remember? I'll be back. I'll be back. That's right. That's right. Yeah, like, I'll be back. Like, like, my God, you made, he made that like a classic line. Incredible. You know, he was a great leading character. And then like one of my other favorite movies was uh, uh, Home Alone home alone anyone love home alone christmas movie you know joe pesci and the guy with the jerry curls i forget his name um you know like like he's home alone and, and then you know he puts the the wedding ornaments and they step on him and these poor like joe pesci's head gets like set aflame and he's fine he's like not even hurt it's like it's, come on it, you know but uh, where was I? okay but macaulay galkin would have been a horrible terminator <laughs> I wouldn't have been afraid of Macaulay Culkin coming at me. I'd just punch him right in the face. No, no, just, yeah, I wouldn't do that. he was trying to hurt my family, then maybe, you know. Um, but then at the same time, Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been horrible and home alone. Who would have been afraid for Arnold Schwarzenegger left home alone with Joe Pesci and the Jerry Curl guy coming after him? Not me feel bad for Joe Pesci and the Jerry Curl guy. I mean, coming to rob a home and Arnold Schwarzenegger answers the door with a shotgun. Actually, it might be a good movie, you know, now that I'm thinking of it. Uh, But it's so important. You got to have the right leading character. And some of you, the, the first step that you need in order to have your life be a story worth remembering, worth people watching, worth a book being written about, is you need to cut yourself as the main character and be able to declare this morning that the story of my life is to declare God's glory. Number two, you need to cut to a different script. (laughs) Some of you, myself included, uh, we have gotten... Our script from the wrong people. We have gotten this script from Hollywood, from society, culture, our friends, our family sometimes, from the world, from people that, that, that want to tell us how we need to talk and how we need to walk and what gives us happiness and what gives us joy and if you get this and if you make that then you'll be happy and and, and so we, we have this script that we're living off of and we we, we take God's script and we kind of put it you know in the bathroom somewhere and we say I'm, I, maybe maybe someday I'll need that let me live off the world script right now and we wonder why we're so we're so depressed and so upset and we can't find fulfillment in anything that we do anymore we can't find it in people because it was never meant to be in people our fulfillment was meant to be in God. People serve a purpose, but our fulfillment is in Christ. And when you can allow Christ to be the fulfillment for you, then you can receive what other people are able to give you. God, that was, that was good. I hope somebody got that, because you're reading off of the wrong script. And I, I thought about this moment in the garden, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, and, and Adam and Eve, they had, they had everything. They, they had everything that they could ever want, perfect paradise, perfect climate. It was 72 and sunny every day. Oh, God, when is it going to get warmer, Sandy? Can we pray? Like, I prayed seriously that it wasn't going to snow. I really did, and I was passionate, and I felt anointed. And then it snowed the next week. I'm like, God, are you really with me? And he's like, I control the weather, son, not you. I'm like, all right, I'll never pray about that again. In In the garden, Adam and Eve thought that they could find fulfillment outside of God's will. Like, we all do. I mean, we've all done it. We've all said, you know what, God, I, I know your word says this, but I want to experience this. I want to go out and do my own thing. And, and Adam and Eve did the same thing that so many of us do. And, and what they found is, you know, very common to what we find. They've, they found sh- shame. They found uh, regret. They've, they began to hide from God because they went outside of his will. And I'm, how many people this morning are hiding from God? Because they feel like I got to get good in order to get God. I gotta get good in order that I could come to church and to the house of the Lord. And they they have been listening to the wrong script. Because the script from the kingdom of God, God's script says you get God and then you that's right. You get God and then you get good. But you could walk into this church, and, and, and you've been hiding from God for so long. And he just has a warm smile on his face saying, I love you. I've been waiting for you. i got a plan for you. I, I don't care that you're, you've messed up. I don't care what you've been through. I love you. And, and they didn't get that, and they hid from God because of their shame. And, and then finally, God calls out to them. He says, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? Where are you? Can't hide from God. <laughs> He's everywhere. He is every... Some of you are haunted by the ghost of Jesus who will follow you everywhere you go. And they're hiding from him. And they they go to God. They say, we felt ashamed because we were naked. And then God said these words that are some of my favorite words in all of the Bible. He looks at them and says, who told you that you were naked? Because I didn't. You've been reading the wrong script, Adam. You've been reading the wrong script, Eve. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that just because you didn't have a father, that you won't be a good father? Not God. God says, I'm the father to the fatherless. I'm the father to to, to the orphans. That's who I am. Who told you that this addiction is going to be with you? the rest of your life who told you that you're never going to get married who told you that just because you don't look a certain way your 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 nose doesn't look a certain way or you you got some junk in your trunk that that you, you know, wish if I could get rid of this then I'll be happy or or, or I wish I, I looked this way or I wish I had this amount of money I, and th- then I'll be happy who told you that not God God says, I love you just the way you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I got a plan for you right here and right now. You don't have to change a thing. You are good right here, right now. I love you. Who told you that you're going to be in debt just the rest of your life? Not God. Not God. God says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And some of you, if you get your, your finances in order, you can overcome this debt that you've been bound with your entire life. That's why we got this financial peace class coming up in a month. You need to sign up for it. Some of you, you, you you're in some serious debt. You've, you've overspent ridiculously. <laughs> it's quiet in here. It's like Some husbands or some wives are, are like, oh, No. <laughs> been hiding credit cards. <laughs> but you could be set free. Who told you that you were always going to be depressed every single day of your life because of something that happened to you when you were eight years old that you had nothing to do with? And now, just the rest of your life, you're going to be depressed because of what? Who told you? Not God. Because he sent his son to break every yoke of bondage, every spirit of depression over your life, that you could be set free. That there are moments where you may feel a certain way and that's a real feeling. No one is denying that. But yet the spirit of the Lord can say, I'll give you the strength to get over that feeling. You get out of bed today. Not be controlled by this rest of your life. Who told you that? You need to get the script that God has for you. You need to cut to a new screenplay. Number three. I thought about one of the reasons why our stories struggle so bad is because what we are going after isn't worth it. What we are going after isn't worth much. Paul said in Philippians chapter three, verse 13, I think and 14, he said, for this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing forward to what is ahead, the prize that Christ has for me, this, this prize that God has for me, so many of us what we are going after is, 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 and these aren't bad things, but we go after more money, we go after more cars, we go after more popularity, we go after more people liking us, and then the worst part about it is when we get it and we realize it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. I, I thought that, that, that if I got married... Then I would be happy the rest of my life. Did you talk to anyone who was married before you got married? <laughs> that was pretty funny, right? <laughs> but isn't isn't uh, uh, I don't think I'm wrong because I, I think that's the worst part. The worst part isn't not getting what you want. The worst part is actually getting it and realizing it doesn't make you feel the way you thought it was going to make you feel. I I thought if I was going to have a baby, I would feel fulfilled, and now I'm having a baby, and I'm more depressed and overwhelmed than I've ever been in my entire life. (sighs) (laughs) Is it worth it? Nobody wants to go to a movie about a guy who wanted a Mercedes Benz. He worked his whole life. And then finally, he got the Mercedes Benz and drove off the lot and turned the windshield wipers on. I, I don't want to go see that movie. Sorry. I mean, sometimes, I guess some of those movies win Academy Awards. Those, like, weird movies. But not me. Not me. Because one of the reasons why you feel your life isn't fulfilling is because what you are going after isn't worth it. What you are reaching for isn't worth it. My, my son, Judy, just lost his front tooth and uh, uh, he's so cute. Oh, my gosh. I love this kid with this missing front tooth. Because now he's got like a lisp when he talks. Oh, my gosh. It just kills me. And, and so the other day, we were playing Pac-Man, you know, in, in my Lazy Boy. And we're, we're just, I, I just felt like, I just, I just love this kid. And I, I go to Judah. I'm like, you're missing a tooth. I'm like, whatever you want. I'll give you whatever you want. And Judah goes, can I have a dollar? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes. course, I'll give you fifty, son. Six quarters, keep the change. Uh, you know, I, but then he's like, oh, God, he's like, if I asked for $100, Daddy, would you have given me $100? Like, yeah, why not? Why not? $1,000? <laughs> Maybe one day, you know, I'll, I'll give you an annuity or something like that, you know? Like a, <laughs> but... That, that is one of the main factors in the reason that we are so empty at times is because we're not going after what's worth it. Listen to the words of, of Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a guy who, I, I mean, you could say he attained everything in, in life. I, I mean, billionaire, everybody knew him, everybody loved him, uh, and, and this is what he said when he was. He was dying of, of pancreatic cancer. And he said, I've reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is the epitome of, of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to now. At this moment, lying on the sickbed and recalling my whole life, I realize that all the recognition and all the wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death nonstop pursuing of wealth will only turn a person into a twisted being like me the wealth i have won in my life i cannot bring with me what i can bring are only the memories precipitated by love that's the true riches which i wish i followed and accompany you when you go on to the next life it all goes back in the box doesn't it if anyone's ever played monopoly before You know, you could have every hotel and boardwalk and park place and, you know, all the rest of them. And you could just dominate everybody and just, you know, be a ruthless Monopoly player. And I am, if you're wondering. I'm ruthless. Don't play with me. But when it's it's over, you think you won, you know, you can't take it. It's just, all right, reset, all back in the box. That's it, man. That's it. What are we living for? Like, at your funeral, do you want people to say, man... Sandy, you had the nicest clothes. I loved your shoes, Sandy. They were incredible. You know? No, I don't want anyone to talk about my shoes or, you know, my house or or, or a pool or, you know, the fact I was a great horseshoe player or, you know, all of those things may be true. But that's not what... You want people to talk about it at your funeral. They want to talk about what, what legacy did you leave behind? What story did you leave behind? Did you leave a story that, that brought life to other people? Did, were you encouraged? Did you share your testimony with other people? Did you share Jesus with other people? Because that's truly the only thing that we could bring to heaven with us. Are the souls that have been saved through our testimony of Jesus Christ? That is the only thing that is worth it. And if you pursue a life that I'm gonna put Christ first, that my story is about his glory, and I'm gonna to live to bring him supremacy in my life and I'm going to share the gospel with my friends, then you know what? You are going to feel fulfilled. Not saying money. Look, at this church, we don't believe having a nice car and and getting a paycheck is a bad thing as long as you put God first. So when I lay my pillow down at, at, at night, I know that I can have peace because I put him first. It's my last point. Somebody say amen. No, you're supposed to say, just keep preaching. This is so amazing. <laughs> uh, the last, last point, um, why our stories struggle and, and why uh, a lot of times our story isn't worth watching. Number four is because we want to skip and cut the scenes matter the most. What I mean by this is so often we're going through life and and we go through a scene that is a painful scene. I think if you live long enough you will go through one of those scenes where you feel like you don't want to get out of bed the next day, where you feel like you've cried till you don't have any more tears left to cry, where you feel like you have no hope that there's nothing left in your life. Maybe it was it was a divorce or or a death in your family or something tragic that happened or a rejection or an abuse, whatever it was in your life. And 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 this scene in your life you wanna you wanna forget and you just want you just you just want to give up in the middle of that scene. You know, I shared in, in the first service, like like my wife, she doesn't like these, you know, kind of like like super tense like anxiety-filled scenes. So, so like she'll close her eyes or, you know, any, any people close their eyes during this, you know, scene? Like, yeah, yeah, because you don't want to see. And, and we do that in life too. Like you're in the middle, we're in the middle of a, a scene and we just want to clam up and we just want to, you know, hide until finally the scene is over. But what we don't understand is that those scenes are the scenes that make the movie great. Doesn't mean that scene was great. But it means that God will use that scene to make the movie of your life great. And the tragedy comes when we get bitter and angry at God in the middle of those scenes. And we give up. And we just say, I I can't take it anymore. I'm turning my back on God. No, 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 no. God didn't cause it, but God will use it just keep going just keep believing just go you know journey chapter 2 verse 1 don't stop believing just just keep moving forward. Keep coming to church. Keep getting inspired. Keep listening to worship music. Keep praying. Sometimes when you pray, all that comes out is tears and frustration and anger. You know, that's okay. Just keep talking to God. He'll, he's faithful. He'll sustain you. His mercies are new every morning. He has new mercies for you today and Monday to get you through whatever challenges you may face. God knows what's going to happen to you this week, and he has already prepared you for it amen amen stand to your feet if if you're able to father we thank you for your presence right now father thank you jesus if you can just bow your heads right now and and quietly we're just going to sing this last song and and just in this moment just just talk to god just begin to reflect on On the things in your life you need to cut. You need to cut out of your life. You need to put Jesus back in the middle, back in the center. You need to go after what's worth it. And and just ask God, God, show me the areas in my life that I need to put you first in. Amen. Let's sing that. Alana. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Break down the walls, push back the dark light of the world, move in our hearts, saving. Flood the earth. Break down the walls, push back the dark light of the world, move in our hearts, saving. Blood the earth freedom is here fear has to leave pain has to go darkness retreat Heaven. The earth. freedom is here fear has to leave pain has to go darkness retreat heaven flood the earth. let your glory and your power let your majesty and worth flood the earth flood the earth let the rumors of your kingdom let your name without reserve flood the earth, flood the earth.
0: Amen. Hey, just, just the piano and, and the voices. Let's sing that as a church right now.
1: Let your glory and your power, let your majesty and worth. Flood the earth, flood the earth, let the rumors of your kingdom, let your name without reserve, flood the earth, flood
0: the earth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we proclaim this morning, God, that you are to reign supreme in our life, Lord God. Father, forgive me, forgive us where we have tried to make ourselves the lead character. And everything revolve around us and what we want and what we desire, God. And we wonder why we feel so empty so often. And then when we fall short, we feel ashamed and we feel angry and bitter, Lord. It's, it's because we, we got it twisted. We got the wrong script. God, I pray this morning that, that we're going to cut to the right character in our life. That we're going to cut and put you on the throne room of our hearts this morning, Lord God. That we are going to get your script in our hands. We're going to get your word in our hearts once again, Father God. To know that, that by this we know love because our father first loved us that we are loved and accepted before God that I don't have to prove anything to my heavenly father and I I got the script that says you know what I may not be perfect but I'm called I, I may not be the best looking person in the world but I am the best looking person to the one that matters that I may not be the most talented person in the world, but I have the right talents to fulfill the calling that God has placed me on this earth to fulfill, and that's okay. I might not be as talented as so-and-so, but I don't need to be because I have a separate calling that is just as good as the other person's calling, and, and the, whole, the whole point of this life is to lift you up, Jesus. So I'm not going to measure myself based off of where I am and where somebody else is, no. No. It's about you, God. This story is about you, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you'll give me the faith and the wisdom and the direction to be the best supporting character that I could be. Whether I'm a pastor or I'm a school teacher or or I'm a real estate agent or I'm a stay-at-home mom or, or I work at a salon, wherever you put me, Lord God, I am called to be a supporting actor, a reflector to you, Lord God, that my life will point people to you, Father God. And what I, I pray for for anyone in here that, that needs to be filled with purpose once again, this morning is your morning. That you are being filled this morning by the Holy Spirit, that you are being rebaptized in fire by the Lord, that you are gonna go out of here a different person, Lord, that when the music stops and when the microphones get turned off and you're home and you may be by yourself, just you and yourself, that you're not gonna to listen to that serpent trying to deceive you, trying to depress you once again. But you have a word from the Lord this morning that your life is going to be a blockbuster hit. No matter what scene that you're in, you're not going to give up. That You're prepared for whatever comes ahead. And God is going to be lifted up through my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap if you would this morning. Amen. Thank you guys so much for, for coming to Shore Christian Church this morning. Uh, in the back, there's uh, some si- sign-up sheets for some of our life groups. We have like eight life groups right now. And, and one of the, 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 the ways so many people struggle during the week is they're isolated. They're not connected to, to other men and women that will pray with them, encourage them, lift them up. So if you're not connected with one of our life groups, I encourage you to, uh, to go find out some more information about them. And uh, we did pretty good for two services. We did pretty good, you know. I think by the fall, I don't know, man. Over the summer, who knows? Amen. God bless you all. Have a have a great, great Sunday. God bless.